0: This is our bonus episode in the Sizzlin' Summer Sexy Series for Autistic Sex, and I have joined by my good friend and coaching partner, Dr. Allie Arena, and today we're talking all about the ADHD side of our brains as we're approaching sex, especially females, because there's some things that happen as part of our ADHD brain that can be a little challenging sometimes, that can be a little bit confusing, and we want to talk about that, especially when it comes to communicating these experiences to our partners when it comes to sex. We're also going to be touching on aspects of trauma. So guys, this is one of the questions we had so many of you send in and ask this month, and you were like, hey, how do I even start to approach sex, think about sex, or maybe I'm not even wanting sex, you know, I don't feel any sexual desire, or there's been things that have happened in my life, that this is something that is so really big and hard for me. So we're going to be touching on this as well. So, you know, if this is something that maybe you need to hit pause on, I'm going to make sure there's a timestamp in this. So, you know, exactly when it happens in the episode. So if you want to listen, you can, if this is not meeting you where you are right now, then you can just skip it guys. So let's get started. Hi, I'm Carol Jean, founder and host of Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show and community. And you're about to experience the new way to thrive in life and relationships as a late identified autistic by unveiling who you are, how you communicate, finding your self-care plan from the inside out, and being the authentic creator of your best life. Get ready, because this is where we go against the mainstream. Say no to outdated society norms, and we say yes to who we are in order to create a joy-filled, balanced, and more neurodistinct world. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. Let's get started. Welcome to the show, Allie. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you and I always you. have a great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So my friend, how do we dig into this? How do we get started on this? Because, you know, this is sort of a, a big thing that we've all kind of talked about. And that is our experience as women who are all, you know, autistic, ADHD, and how that ADHD factors into this component of our experience in our sexual life. Yeah. So, you know, I always think about ADHD
1: in forms of like, you know, my inattention, my communication, my impulsivity, but it's true. I mean, it is in sex too. I think it's, I don't think it's talked about. I don't mean, I just don't think sex is talked about that much at all, but you know, for me, you would ask me and I was like, yeah, how does this show up? But it totally does. So like, you know, I feel like an ADHD brain we're on or off. There's barely any in between. So that's very similar with a sexual drive, right? Like I'm really into it or I'm not. And I've also noticed, um, you know, frequency helps. So if I'm having sex pretty regularly, I'm like, okay, I'm having, this is what's happening when there's a dry spell. I could be totally fine with a dry spell. And then it's hard to start back over. Um, I was joking with you before too, that whole concept of out of sight, out of mind is so real. Like there will be times I'll like catch my husband who I find very attractive and he's changing. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm obsessed with this guy. But if I only see him in the context of, you know, he's sitting at work or or whatever, like I just don't see him in that context. I almost forget how much I love him in the other one. So there really is something to say about being able to see something to be reminded. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts before? I? Just-
0: oh my gosh. <laughs> it's, it's just a uh, huge, huge sparks over here yeah. because uh, that is so true. And Allie, you know, when we talk about like that transition time that we need as ADHDers mm-hmm. between tasks and things, I mean, oh my gosh, this is, this factors into that. You know, you've got to think about the transition time between like sitting on the couch and watching a TV together to like getting intimate. And it's like, that transition between the two activities, it makes a difference.
1: It absolutely does. And so also I've noticed, um, so some therapists recommend for, for all people to like schedule sex. Cause sometimes you genuinely, you know, weeks go by, you have kids. So <laughs> we don't have kids. I'll see how my husband feels when we have kids, but now he finds it like rude to feel scheduled. So he doesn't know this, but I have like a a Google alert to be like, I literally says sexy time because I'm like, oh yeah, I want that. And then I will go, but I build in my own transition time. Like I'll see that in the morning and I'm like, okay, that's going to happen today. Whether he knows it or not, he's normally pretty happy if I'm initiating. So it's not an issue, but it's my own little like reminder, because again, if, if I'm just not in that mind space and I'm, you know, working all day on the computer, I tend to hyper focus really hard to switch out of that. To your point would be hard. I would need like a large transition, but if I have that in the background all day, like that's part of my day, I don't see it as as big of a transition. Oh
0: my gosh, Ali, that's huge. That's huge. Oh my gosh, guys, are you hearing this? Seriously, think about that for a second. This is massive. Because, you know, I got a few years on you, (laughs) just a few. (laughs) And it's really interesting because if I look back over my lifetime of when I started having sex and throughout my relationships and seasons of life, there are times where I just wasn't interested. And I would go for long, like dress spells, even a marriage, even in a marriage, dress spells of just, it wasn't on my radar. There were so many other things and I didn't think to, you know, like schedule it in to remind me. And, you know, that's part of, in a lot of ways in our relationships, our romantic relationships, that's another language that we communicate in. And in my current, you know, relationship. That is a really big part of how Josh and I communicate. And it's interesting because if we go a few days, we both are like missing that connection, that level of connection and communication. But it's so funny because I look back and I'm like, there were times in my life where I was totally content and did not even think about it. But knowing what I know now and looking back at those times, I also see the disservice I did to myself by not checking in with my own needs because I didn't even consider them in those times. It was just like, I just took it for what it was and I didn't go, hey, could you use that release maybe?
1: (laughs) Well, and I, you know, we're also kind of going into a larger thing that comes up around sex, but so often as women, if you grow up religious, if you grow up more conservative, there is this, uh, I guess dynamic kind of of still like sex is for a purpose, right? Of like procreation or whatever. And you're not seeing it as exactly what you're saying. It's a release. It's like a biological thing. It's actually really good for you. But if you don't even really have that mind frame, I could see how it's very easy again to kind of be like out of sight, out of mind. I don't really need this. Um, So I think there's also something to say about that too. I've really started to. Um, you know, just think of sex and intimacy and connection very differently. Like I've tried to shed a lot of my old school Catholic chastity belt ideas. Right. Um, And just sort of see it as this is a time of connection with my husband and I, and also like that, you know, just because I'm a words person, he isn't. So I'm also seeing that too, is like, it's a different way of um, being with him, kind of like you're saying, it's a, it literally is a different form of connection. It's like a different language that if you don't put that frame on it, you might still see it as this, like literally physical act that you do sometimes. But when you start to view it as something that's like a, a glue, um, I think it's easier to think about, okay, I don't actually want to go that long because it might, uh, negatively affect us long-term.
0: So what are some of the other areas that you've noticed that seem to be unique in the ADHD experience when it comes to our sex life?
1: Yeah. So this is, I keep like, I I keep thinking about myself, but I've obviously talked to a lot of other ADHD women. So I'm trying to be, but I do think, um, and I know this happens in the autistic community too. the, um, the intensity is very much there. So same with my brain, like I am super intense or I'm like, I cannot get off the couch. Um, so I think that also plays into sex, right. And, and what, how you enjoy it. And I won't go into detail, but I think that's something, um, that goes into play. And I think, um, that can be sometimes interesting to communicate. Cause if you like something possibly more intensely or fastly than a neurotypical person, you actually might have to like coach your partner a little bit to be like, no, this, I swear, like, I know I'm, I'm using these words on purpose kind of thing. Like, trust me, because <laughs> it might just seem different. Um, I'm trying to think what, you know, I saw, I didn't relate to this, but I saw this the other day on Instagram and I sent it to a friend She's she was like, Oh no, I get this. They called it procrastinating, procrastinating. So ADHD dopamine seekers, right? So they were saying some ADHD people, which I could totally see. This just isn't me. I think I go for like, I just have eight cups of coffee. That's my procrastination. But they'll masturbate like as a like, I need something. I don't necessarily want to do this with another person, but like I just need something quick to like spike dopamine. Um I'm trying to, th- can you think of anything else, Carol Jean, you've ever? talked about like with the ADHD brain and sex. Yes.
0: Um, for me, and and you brought this up in my thinking when you were talking about this just now, you know, there are those things like we do have those impulsivity and we've got those novelty seeking dopamine hit thoughts. And so it's really interesting because, you know, if you and your partner get in this quote unquote rut of having sex in just one way, just one position, just one time, then it, it, it's like, it almost becomes this rote thing. And it's almost like in the past, I've disconnected in that. And it's just become a chore or a, a routine, right? Instead of like what it started out to be. and it was like, It's almost like my brain and my dopamine and all the feel-good endorphins that I would normally get from that because it is the same thing over and over again. It's like, I totally check out. And I felt really like bad about that and I would question like my own arousal and stuff in those like I was broken or something was wrong and what I found was you know when I have a partner who also is a novelty you know dopamine seeker in this that we have found consistency in our inconsistency. Like we got really creative. We really just sort of say, Hey, you want to try this? You know, and we have sort of our go-to kind of things, but we mix them in and make an intentional choice within our relationship to look for new ways and variations. Like how, what do you think on that one?
1: I think you just, I, I hadn't thought about that, but I think you're bringing up a very good point. Yeah. Like novelty I mean hotel sex is like the best right I think that's everyone like I'm not in my environment it feels different right um I agree with you I think like I've been trying to a lot more like hit on my husband at lunchtime I think that throws him he's like no I'm in work mode but like to me that's fun it's different um oh I was gonna say something else about what you said with variety oh man I totally lost my thought it will come back to me um see there's that. ADHD (laughs) brain at play. But yeah, I do. I really think variety matters. Oh, I was going to say the other thing that I've found both personally, but with other people, is challenges. So, like, I know a lot of couples who to connect have done like a workout challenge together. Like, I know people have done like a squat challenge. And we've done this personally too, because that for my ADHD brain and my perfectionism really works because I see that I get to check off every time that I did squats for 30 days and I feel so accomplished. So this year I bought an advent. It was like 25 days of sex in December. And again, that really helped me because it was just the picture of what you're supposed to do. Right. So we like had fun with it and Um, My husband is a rule follower. So like he knew this is what we're doing for 25 days. And I needed that visual accountability to be like, this is what we're doing for 25 days. And it really worked. So I highly suggest I got it on Etsy. That's
0: that's what I was going to say. That's totally genius. Where did you get it?
1: (laughs) But maybe Carol Jean and I are making one. Um, I'm telling
0: you, we may need to do that. Yeah, have our our new expansion pack here. So Allie, you know, that is such a big part of And I think that's something that we don't always talk about too, is, you know, we have these sides of, of us with our ADHD brain, where we have that impulsivity, you know, this compulsion, that dopamine seek, but then we also have sort of this sort of numb disconnect sometimes when we don't have enough of that hit. And so we don't experience those feelings. And then there's a lot of internal, this is what I'm thinking and feeling about myself because this isn't happening
1: kind of thing. That's such a good point. Yeah, cuz I will say if I am in a I don't know, low dopamine just kind you know, one of the everyone who has this brain knows this feeling where you're just like, and I'm on the couch and I can't do much, but then I start a shame cycle about it. So there's nothing sexy about that. So even if my husband maybe tried, he's like, let's, you know, I it's so mental at that point that you that um that's why I think Exercise is so big for me because it's probably the only thing that will pull me out of that. Like, I, I know what it is. It's if I go past like three hours on Netflix, I'm like, mm, you might be going into a little bit of a, you know, like you're there too long, and I will make myself get up and walk. Um, so I think you're bringing up a really good point, too, just managing that like mental letdown and not letting that be too long.
0: You know, that's one of the most consistent things that comes up in conversations that I have with other people who are autistic and ADHD and just straight ADHDers, And it's the component that's so similar in all of us that we have realized how impactful exercise is for us and our mental health. <laughs> I mean, it's huge. I have been active and an athlete my whole life, but I didn't do it with the regularity and the intention. And it was like, when I was in school and I was playing sports, it was just there. So I didn't recognize the benefits I was getting from it. When I went to college, I was still in sports. When I got out of college and I was in the work world, there's like this complete 180. It's like, you don't have structure. You don't have like sports in the same way. And I didn't recognize it. And I went for years and I was just like, oh my gosh. And then I started exercising again and I started running for the first time. I've never been a runner guys. I mean, I play all kinds of sports, but I am not a runner unless somebody was chasing me or I had to run some bases or something. I would, you know, up and down the, the, you you know, on the tennis court or the basketball court, it wasn't happening folks. I mean, you know, it had, there had to be a real reason for me to do it because it just wasn't comfortable. I don't know. I never found my, my space in it, but at 42, I started running. And I never could meditate, sit still, quiet my brain, or anything. That's where I found it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I call yeah. it active meditation. <laughs>
1: it's, yeah, it's but so impacts it your sex, though. It does. It does. It really does. Like the just literally the movement and getting the blood flowing and everything is lighting up and happy. And then also, you know, as women, it, I no matter how you know much we. We don't want to feel this or the way our bodies feel and look mentally plays so much into feeling sexual. Um, it's, it's so hard, right? Like I could gain weight. I could lose weight. My husband's just like, you're amazing. I'm like, I really wish I could see what you're seeing, but I like, but if I am, maybe I'm not perfect, right? No one's perfect. But if I'm at least consistently, I call it just being nice to my body, like, moving, eating vegetables, just kind of like not, not weight, but just being nice to my body, there's a way higher chance that I want to have sex.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a big one. That's a really big one. So I want to circle back as we're sort of wrapping up to talk about the the harder side of this. Mm -hmm. And that is the experience that so many of us in late identify life have experienced. And And that's just the trauma. And, you know, that's it's not isolated to just the events that are non-sexual. There's also sexual trauma. And we had a lot of people write in and ask, hey, I have experienced a lot of trauma and sexual trauma in my life. And I am wondering, how do I move forward in this? What do I do? How do I create a safe space for myself because, you know, I don't know how to navigate this. That's been basically the overarching question. How do I navigate this? Because I, I want, I kind of think about it, but it's been so tainted in my life that I don't even want to even think about it, but there's a part of me that still does. How, what, what are your thoughts on this, Allie?
1: Yeah. First of all, like I so hear all these people, you know, a lot of the women I work with, I'm going to say a hundred percent of the women I work with have had either sexual assaults or, or something in this area. And it's so hard as a late identified person, because you start to, to overanalyze the situations and like, did I miss a cue am i in some way responsible which by the way you are not at all you're not when you analyzing do not do that to yourself but you know you you do and you, you start to look back and just sort of see like how many little precarious situations there were and so i i'm a believer that trauma does sit in your body it hangs out it's in your cells and if it was sexual it's hanging out down there in your cells so you might get tighter right you might literally feel in your body like uh, so there's a few things. I think one, if you, if you can, like, if you're having flashbacks of stuff, journaling that out and like trying really getting to a place where you can forgive yourself and not put blame. Cause that's so part of it too. There's such high shame and, and you're working through all of that. I mean, sexual trauma, I would definitely say is something you want to be talking about with a therapist. Like you need another person to really talk through this and have someone saying exactly what I'm saying to you. Like, you're not responsible. You don't need to keep that responsibility. Um, if you want to work on things moving forward, like these are obvious signs. Someone may want to be with you. That's great, but never to feel shame about the past. Um, I'm a big, big fan of EMDR, which is, um, oh my gosh, I always get this wrong. Like eye movement rapid desensitization, I think. Yeah. Um, and then brain spotting. So these are true two trauma modalities. And I was saying to Carol Jean, I like these because they're not the typical, like telling me what happened to you. It's like you get in a state and whatever memory comes up, you can talk about it, but you could also not, it's just getting that memory and trying to disrupt it for you. Like to, to get you to a place where you feel okay with the memory or neutral, not even. Okay. Like you just see it neutrally and you're able to move past it. Um, The other thing I would really suggest too, is you brought it up, Carol Jean, you know, intimacy really doesn't happen if you don't feel safe and it's not just safe with your partner. Um, Like I, I knew very, very early on that my husband was a wonderful man, which even made it more apparent to me. That my stuff was my stuff because he was really safe, really sweet, really kind, and I'm still over here like this. So I think again, speaking with someone, um, I don't know what everyone's journal is on or journey, um, journey is on self-exploration, but getting comfortable with like seeing yourself naked, um, touching yourself in any way, just even putting lotion on yourself in a little bit more of a Um, like sexy way, just really feeling it. It's all about recalibrating yourself with your own senses. And again, I would highly suggest if not with a therapist, like a good friend or a coach, just someone to help you through it. Just in case you do have a memory that's really hard to work past and you have someone around.
0: Ellie, those are such great suggestions. And it's one that you know, we carry so much shame and guilt and the sense of it's our fault that we should have done something differently if we had done this or that. And it's so true. It's not, it's not our fault and we are not responsible. And it was a hard thing for me to be able to step back and go, you know, There isn't anything I could have done differently because I didn't do anything wrong. And to be able to also get to that place of neutrality, that really is because it's such a disempowering feeling Mm -hmm. and you carry it for so long to be able to reclaim your, your authority and your ownership and power within your own life to move forward is just something I didn't know was possible. It is, it has been, and I've seen it happen for so many people. Um, you know, just exploring your own sensory touch is a big one, too. That's a really big one because you don't even want to think about that or go there for so long because you feel like there's just so much that goes with it. So, I, I love those suggestions, and definitely finding someone to help you work through it and having a professional that can help guide you is it cuts that journey time and it actually leads you in the right direction. So I would highly suggest that for anybody that might be experiencing any of these things that we're talking about today. Allie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, insights and expertise as always.
1: (laughs) Yes, of course. This is a fun one. It's like seven in the morning for me. And I was like, this is a fun conversation to have.
0: Hey, what a great way to start your Tuesday. Let's talk about <laughs> sex. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for being a part of the sizzling sexy summer series on autistic sex. I hope that this month has given you some insights, some new th- ways to think about things, maybe some, some new experiences within your own self and your own sex. And just to be able to know that it's not shameful. It's not wrong. It's not something you have to hide. It's not a bad thing. It's just another experience that we as humans have. And it's okay to talk about it. And we need to talk about it. So I hope this has kind of helped you guys a little bit this month, talking about something that I don't normally see anybody else talking about, especially in our world, because there's so much that can go with it. But I hope that we've talked about enough of the different aspects to sort of start a conversation in your life that's helping you today. Thanks so much for being here, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. If you are someone who likes to help people, and share what has made a difference in your life, please share this talk show with a friend and on your social media accounts so that you can be the blessing in another late identified autistics life. Be sure to tag me at Social Audie so I can personally say thank you. And to help keep the talk show ad-free, please consider becoming a one-time or a recurring supporter through either Buy Me A Coffee or the Anchor Podcast links in the show notes below. I truly appreciate your support. Thank you for being a listener and thank you for adding your voice to our story.